the opportunity to talk to Will Van Dyke over Zoom video. Will has really made a name for himself in the world of Broadway musicals and plays. Will was born in Atlanta. He lived there till about 11 years old, but that's where he got his first introduction into music. He started playing piano around four or five years old. He ended up moving to Boston, and that's where he attended high school. He went to an arts high school where he applied to get in there, went in for theater. And while he was in high school, that's when he really, really dove into learning everything on piano he could. He had a really great mentor at the school who taught him everything to know about piano. He went to college at NYU, and there he created his own degree, so to speak. That's also when he realized he wasn't going to be an actor. He didn't really want to be an actor in, in plays and Broadway, but he loved playing the piano in the theater. So that's really where he got a taste in music directing and assisting the music production of an actual play. He talked about having this amazing mentor who really taught him the ins and outs of Broadway. Working on the Adams Family, he also was the music director for Kinky Boots. He's the music supervisor for Little Shop of Horrors, where he also serves as the orchestral arranger and nominated for a Grammy for his work on Little Shop of Horrors for the cast recordings. During the pandemic, when everything was shut down, Broadway completely shut down, is when he started to work on his debut EP, which is called The Mayor. He talks about the ins and outs of working on Broadway, how he was able to get in and what the different career paths you can have in the Broadway theater world are, which is really fascinating to me because I didn't know much of anything about it. So he really breaks it down for us. And you can watch our interview with Will Van Dyke on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Will Van Dyke. This is all about you and your journey in music. And uh, we'll talk about your new record as well. Awesome. Cool. I love your bow tie as well, I must have. Thank you. I was just at work for like the first time in a very, very long time. So I like put on a tie. Oh, really? Finally yeah. back to work. That's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. good. Very cool. My, um, my cat is probably going to make an appearance because as soon as I start talking on the telephone, she she wants to know what's going on. Oh, all good. All good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here. So you're currently, yeah, thanks for having me. currently in New York. Yeah, I'm currently in the city. Born and raised or no? Uh, no, I, I grew up in Atlanta and like stopped in Rochester for a minute and I went to high school in Boston and then I moved to New York uh, when I went to college. So when I was oh, okay. 18. Yeah. Okay. So I've been here. I, I would say I'm a New Yorker, but I didn't like grow up here. Grow, grow, grow up here. Okay. So Atlanta first, born there. How long were you in Atlanta before you moved it to Boston? Uh, like 11 years in Atlanta and then a year or two in Rochester and then in Boston. Okay. So up to 11, you're in Atlanta. When did you start getting into music? Uh, I started getting into music uh, pretty young. I like, like my first memories about music, my brother was taking piano lessons and I really wanted to take them. Mm -hmm. And so my mom was like, okay, sure. Like you can take piano lessons, but the teacher, like, I, like one of my earliest memories is this, this older woman who was the piano teacher wanted me to like march in a circle to rhythm. And I was like, no. I want to play the piano. I don't want to yeah. march in a circle. And That's I quit. Interesting. <laughs> and my mom had to get me a new piano teacher. <laughs> you will not learn piano yet. You will learn to march and then we'll think about piano. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like. But 
yeah, it was, uh, I'm sure she just wanted me to understand, like feel the rhythm in my heart, but no, right. I wanted to, I wanted to play. <laughs> okay. So you got a new piano teacher, same r- around the same age. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was like four or five. I, I was really young when I started playing and I always loved it and just sort of like kept doing it. I got really serious about it. I would say in, in high school, okay. uh, I was, you know, taking with a guy named Jim Chubet, who's like a concert pianist type, but also teaches in, in the Massachusetts area. And, uh, I was taking with him and, uh, my, the piano teacher at my high school, which was a pretty artsy place was an Italian like concert pianist. And she was like, I can teach you. And I was like, "Uh, okay. And it just, it was very convenient to have her like at my disposal, like every day of the week because she was at the high school she was the artist in residence there and uh yeah that was i mean it was really intense she really taught me how to play the piano but she must have <laughs> but seen it was all, you right i mean yeah it was all classical you. music up to that point and i really loved like pop rock but like she really like focused on my classical chops and i was gonna apply to music conservatory to do concert piano stuff but I, it just like my gut was like that's not right and so I, went, I ended up going to NYU and sort of creating my own major there and figuring my way into like theater music. Oh, okay. Did you go in for music at all into NYU? Or like were no. you in the Clive Davis Institute or any of that? No, it, that was like, that actually started this holiday. And that started my sophomore year um, okay. at NYU. So it, it didn't even exist yet when I got there. Um, when I went there, I went to Tisch for like the theater program. But right when I got there, I was like, oh, I... I I do not want to be an actor. Um, but I immediately started playing for all the actors and I realized that, and I don't know why I hadn't realized it in the first 18 years of my life, but you know, music directing shows and like writing orchestrations and arrangements for shows is like a job. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so once I realized that my advisor at NYU helped set me up with a composer music director, uh, here in the city, and I interned with him for most of my time at school for credit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you went to an art school, you said, or our high school or just an artsy yeah, high school? It, it was an artsy high school. It, it's like a progressive education high school, really, but like with a serious emphasis on the arts. That's really awesome. Yeah, it was, was cool. This, yeah. Was it something you had to like apply to get into or was it just, oh, I'm yeah, I applied in music. To- okay. Uh, I applied to get into it. It's called Beaver Country Day School. It's still there. I'm, you know, I still try and be involved there because the the people there and what they were able to like let me do, like even with my piano teacher, the the theater and music department there really set me up to. Uh, all like I I just like always was able to like say like oh I want to do this thing or try this thing artistically and never had any like trepidation or fear about that and i really think that was because of the people i was surrounded by when i was like you know in those really formative years that's amazing yeah instead of having people deter you they like embraced yeah. what you wanted to do they were like well try it and then like when you fail you you fail <laughs> <laughs> that's cool that's really cool were you involved in the theater program there at all like were you the in piano player yeah for piano player for musicals or whatever they put on yeah, I never like connected. I was in the musicals and like I oh, never really were. like connected like, oh, I, I could play the piano for this. Like, but I. I uh, Hi, Kat. I, ran, <laughs> Hi, Kat. <There> <laughs> um, I love that. 
I never really connected like, oh, I could play the piano for the shows. I always was like in the show or like playing classical piano. And it wasn't really until I got to college that I like fused the two. But I think a lot of that had to do with my piano teacher being like, you are learning Bach, you are learning Mozart, you are learning Brahms. And like that was the music that I was like, oh, this is piano music, you know? Okay. Yeah, it didn't come together until college, you said. Yeah. And were you in, so you were in the theater program in college and that's kind of how you discussed more yeah. for this major there okay totally. so you were you in the shows and then decided hey i'm not really too interested in acting anymore or uh no it wasn't that. I, I never really did a show in college i oh. i like got there and like the the way nyu was set up it, at the time there were uh there were like mini studios that you like there was a musical theater studio and then there's like different acting technique studios and at the musical theater studio you know, there were all these great singers and like performers, um, but everybody needed their music recorded or needed to practice their music and things like that. And I was like, oh, I can play the piano. And like, once I started doing that for singers, I was like, oh, this is actually what I want to do. So I should not be in this program, but like do it, like doing the singing. I was like, I I should be playing the piano because that's what I want to do. Okay. Okay. And then you got this, this like in, uh, internship, so to speak, right? Or with, with yeah, this... I worked at, there's a composer named Andrew Lippa. He wrote The Wild Party and The Adams Family and Big Fish wow. and some other shows. And, uh, you know, I, I met him when I was 19 years old and interned with him for about three years while I was finishing school and a little bit after before I started working professionally. And, uh, you know, it was, he was, he was incredible. Like truly the greatest mentor a person could ask for. Mm -hmm. And he taught you basically all the ins and outs of Broadway. Yeah. I mean, he like, like he taught, he just taught me about theater music and like the different jobs that can exist and like how, you know, he's just a really creative person. Mm -hmm. Um, and which is super inspiring to be around, but also, uh, showed me, because as a writer myself and like all those things, like, you know, you go through like phases of like writing a lot of new music and like, what are you doing when you're not writing a lot of new music or how are you staying creative? How are you like focusing your chops? And I, I learned through him like, Oh, well maybe today I'm not going to write a song, but maybe I'll write an orchestration for something or do an arrangement of something. Um, and just like how to collaborate and all of those things. It was just like a really exciting energy to be around. Mm-hmm. So you were writing prior to to having this internship or was that? Yeah, I mean, I had like meddled around, but he definitely like taught me like how to write music, mm-hmm. you know, like especially, you know, theater, like the ins and outs of like how a show is structured. And like when you're writing uh, a show from beginning to end, like you need it, like obviously you need an opening number. You need a thing called an I want song, which is usually the second song in a show and then like you know there's a b plot and like all of like those like the standard musical structure and how that works he taught me all that and Mm -hmm. you know he also like uh was really uh gracious about you know helping me find my own musical voice and like when i would write songs he would listen to them and he would you know say like oh that's good or like what if you did this and also always just encouraged me to like keep writing Mm-hmm. which is, you know, an important thing, you know, yeah. you never want somebody like 
saying like, oh, that's terrible. And then right, you're like, well, right. I'm, not, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> no, no, yeah, exactly. Well, that's amazing to have somebody in the industry that does that. I mean, I've came from a radio background and it was hard to find somebody that was willing to say, hey, like, I want to, I want to sit, I see something in you, I want to teach you how to do this because I always feel like in this, in the industry or like entertainment or music, like somebody's always like not willing to offer that service because it's like they, their job could be taken away from them, so to speak. Yeah. And that's to have somebody like that and to have a mentor. That's really, that's really cool that you were able to, to, to have that. And I mean, do you feel like that's still kind of a thing? Like, uh, well, you know, oh, yeah. you show people something, then they they could just audition for the job next time and, you know, take the MD job right from out of, you know, right from under you. Cause they'll do it for less money or whatever, just to get the experience or. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely like recognize like how lucky I am in that regard in mm-hmm. finding somebody. Cause like, I, I know other people who had the exact experience that you're talking about, but, uh, I think it like comes down to like the people you surround yourself with. And like Andrew was just genuinely like a kind person. And I found him at the right time of my life. And he Mm -hmm. watched me mature and like grow as an artist. And it's interesting because now, uh, I mean this, that like green CD Mm -hmm. is like a, a show that he wrote that, uh, got done, but we made an album and I orchestrated the show and I arranged it and I produced that album and, you know, so to go from like being his intern intern to like being his music director has been a really interesting journey. And also like now that I'm at a certain age, you know, uh, and place in my career, I definitely, when I meet young artists, the way I treat them is very much, uh, in this, in the same sort of sentiment of how I was, treated by yeah. the other artists like I think and i think that's like really important because mm-hmm. you know it's not an easy industry and like people can be really unkind and so mm-hmm. like I, and i'm very much of the mindset of like wh- why bother <laughs> right <laughs> like right. why be mean what's the point <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and i feel the same way like i i had a similar situation to you as i was able to really learn from a lot of peers of mine that were way further in their career and they were willing. So I always felt like if there was somebody that were, that was working for the station that was, had the interest to become, you know, on the air, or do something else. Like I always felt like it was my duty to kind of push them. If I thought that they actually had the chops and the work, you know, ethic and wanted to do it, then like, why not have paid forward, so to speak. So that's really amazing yeah. that you had that, had that opportunity. Cause a lot of people didn't, you know, probably I'm sure weren't embraced like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating to hear like different people's artistic journeys. Sure. And also like, you know, there were plenty of people who, you know, didn't return emails that I sent and didn't oh, return course. phone calls that I call, like when I called them and like knowing what that feels like in tandem with like what it feels like to be supported by someone. Like when I try and answer every email I ever get from an artist mm-hmm. asking for anything, cause I'm like, even if I have nothing to offer them just to like say like, Hey, I got your email. Like I see see you. you. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. And like, you know, good luck. And I'm sorry that I can't help you out with anything right now, but like, you know, keep reaching out and Mm -hmm. keep doing the thing. Yeah. But obviously he, you know, he saw something in you that you had the drive and the, 
Yeah. Skills I mean, set. like, I, yeah, you, you put the work in. It wasn't like, yeah, obviously. this guy looks great. Let's just hook him up with some jobs. <laughs> no, but he was also like really great because there were like, like in complete and total transparency, like I, there were times when I like failed and like failed hard, but like uh-huh. I also succeeded at times. And the big, the greatest lessons I ever learned in like that time of my life are actually when I failed. And he didn't just say like, he, he acknowledged the fact that I failed and mm-hmm. let me know and then told me how to fix it and then made me fix it. Awesome. And that was really like really interesting. And so, and, and it's something that I, I do with other people. Cause like when people mess up, it's like, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. And like, you know, if you give people the opportunity to fix it instead of just like doing it for them, they'll actually like grow and learn. Mm-hmm. And that's like, cool. Sure. Was that the, the, yeah, the, the record you're talking about behind you, is that the first um, thing that you really got a chance to work on? Was that kind of your, your introduction to MDing and, and that aspect? Uh, no, oh, okay. uh, it, it just happened. It was the first thing that I did with him. Andrew had done the first show I ever played on Broadway was the Adams family, which Andrew wrote. And so like, I went, that was like the the period of time where I transitioned from being like his sort of like assistant type music assistant person to being like a piano player in the pit of his show. And then wow. what was that like? Um, it, was, I, it was crazy. I mean, like playing a Broadway show for the first time is, is a really wild experience. And I don't think that people necessarily like realize what that is. Um, because, and, and even the subbing thing, uh, like, because like the chairs on Broadway, you, you can take off like a lot of the time. Um, you can take off up to 50% of the time to do other gigs and like concerts and things like that. And when you do, somebody just comes in and plays the book. Uh, and oh, so you can just, I, I mean, I really don't know a whole lot about the Broadway scene, yeah. to be honest. I mean, I've, I've interviewed a few people that are really active in it, but I, I don't know too much, but I'm that, I'm curious to know what that means. So like, if you get hired on to do the Adams family, you can half the time just be like, I have other things to do. Like I'm confused. I mean, <laughs> yes, you, you don't get paid, but like some, it, it's, it's like a way to like get like more members of the union, like other musicians in the city to like be able to do the thing, even if they don't hold the chair, nobody oh. actually takes off 50% of the time. That rule is sort of like, there are, there are certain like union rules that are like, like laid in from like a different time that nobody ever took out of like the CBA, which is the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. collective okay, bargaining okay. agreement, so you know, people can get so like the, the Yeah. The 50% rule is left over from like, the 60s and 70s when jingle work was like a real thing and like people like if you want the best trumpet player in your in the pit of your show like he's also going to have to be able to like go play like a recording session for tony bennett so right you you, like you know you make a rule so that like he can be out he can Um, do that gotcha but it's it's a very real thing so like my experience on the adams family like that that first orchestra rehearsal like i showed up and i'd never seen the music before nobody had I was talking to my oh. husband about this like very randomly last night, but like the entire orchestra, like they all just like everybody gets the music at the first orchestra rehearsal, which is usually like, I don't know, a week before the first show in front of an audience. And like, <laughs> so it's not like you have you're time, like, a whole lot of time to practice. You're like, prior. you're like sight reading, you're trying to watch a conductor, you're trying to like figure out what the show is because it's all brand new music. And you're like, what the heck is this? And it just mm-hmm. happens so fast. And then all of a sudden you're in front of an audience and it's like, 
wow, here we are. And then a sub, like when the first time somebody came and played my book at the Adams family, like they got it ahead of time to like practice the music, but like Uh the keyboards are so like, there are so many patches and volume things and like they have to watch a conductor and all that. And it's not a rehearsal. Like the first time you play the, the show is in front of an audience and it's really crazy. Yeah. Did you ever have that experience to where you had to kind of fill in for somebody? Yeah. I subbed at wicked, uh, a a fair amount on Broadway. That was really my only like book that I like subbed on. Mm-hmm. So you uh, must obviously you can sight read very well and read music or or you wouldn't be in that position like no one just yeah. goes in there and goes I mean, oh. <laughs> here we go yeah and you definitely have to practice i mean like you definitely have to like practice and like get your chops up but like sight reading at the first orchestra rehearsal is like something that everybody has to be able to do wow which is crazy that is really crazy I mean, to the, yeah, to the the talent that is in that are in those pits, I don't think it's the, as much credit as they deserve, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because like people sometimes don't realize like that you know the the best musicians in New York City are playing in Broadway pits because mm-hmm. it's really the you know it's the best work that you can get in the city as a musician now. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've taken off Broadway, like, or been on a uh, play that's or a musical that has toured? Like, for I don't know, for example, like you know, Book of Mormon is one that I know that would go through different cities. Like, have yeah. you had that opportunity? Yeah, I did the first national tour of Wicked, which was like oh, wow. my that was like my first job out of college. What was um, that like? I, it was it was great. It was amazing. It was like a really really amazing experience and like a great first job and I learned so many things but uh you know that you know what's crazy about that experience is like in every city that you go to you have you know six hours of rehearsal with the musicians that you hire locally and then like you do the show the next day (laughs) you know so there's local people that will jump on those shows as well yeah it's not like a whole crew of you going together it depends on the show, like depend, like if the show, uh, I, I orchestrated Pretty Woman, the musical, which is about to go on tour. Oh, um, wow. And they like for that, it's a self-contained band because it's a little bit smaller. But okay. a show like Wicked, um, I think Book of Mormon probably has. I don't know if it's self-contained. I can't imagine it is because it's pretty big. Yeah, um, they I just hire spoke to people. somebody that was a ba- the basis for the Book of Mormon and she was telling me that she had to tour it. I had never heard of that before. So I was curious to know. Yeah. It, but it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a crazy life to like live like that, but it was also a great experience to have when I was like super young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that was, you did, you did wicked and were you still under Andrew at this time? Like he was teaching you or you hadn't met yet? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. We, uh, we had met that was like after i had like finished like doing my college stuff with him oh, and I, okay. I can so wicked while i was on the road with wicked the adams family was being developed as mm-hmm. a musical on broadway which is like a long sort of like drawn out process to go from like the first reading of a musical which is you know usually the first act and is missing stuff to like what the show becomes mm-hmm. and so throughout my time at wicked there were readings of the adams family and the adams family was sort of like developing and i continued to do all of the like music assistant type work for that mm-hmm. um and then when i left the road is when the adams family 
uh, started on Broadway. Oh, wow. And then that's when you started playing. You were playing on the Adam Sandler. You played piano? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And from that show, like, do you play on it through the its entire season on Broadway and then you move on to what's next? Or like, how, do, how does that work in that world? Uh, you can sort of like jump around. For me, I, the Adams Family ran a, about two years and mm-hmm. I did the first year of it. Um, and then I had an opportunity to music direct Rent when they revived it off Broadway in the city. Oh, um, wow. And it was just like an opportunity to be in charge of a show for the first time and all those things. So I left the Adams family to do rent and rent was uh, a lot of fun, but like wasn't super successful off Broadway. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it had been on Broadway. So uh, it closed after like a year and a couple of months. And then while I was working on rent, I was working on a, like developing a musical with a team of people, which turned out to be kinky boots. So when I left rent, when I left rent, I did kinky boots and that show I stayed at for, uh, just about, I guess, almost five years. Wow. Brandon Urie was on that show, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. That's cool. That's rad. So were you the music director for that show or like, how did, like, what was, uh, when I started the kinky boots, I was the music the associate music director. So the music okay. director was a guy named Brian Yusufer and Stephen Aremis was the uh, music supervisor and orchestrator and arranger. And he did um, all the arrangements with Cindy and really helped her through that process. And then Brian and I were sort of like in charge of the music of the theater. And Brian left uh, after a couple of years and I took over as the music director and music directed it for the last bit. Wow, that's so cool. Is that must be that I can't even imagine directing like such a big, you know, like anything on Broadway. I mean, there's there, it's just so next level. I mean, that's so cool. It's a lot of fun, but like, you know, it's funny because uh, you get used to it in a way, but like (laughs) there's still something like very magical about the thing like when you look at the thing on stage it's such like a small picture of like what the whole everything's doing right like everything's doing and like you know every show really there's a family element to it that's like so like really magical like every time you go in to a theater and that process like the people become your family and that's a really cool thing and i you know the kinky boots experience was you know, something that I think will be very unique to, you know, my career and life just because it was so successful, which Mm -hmm. is not like most shows are not. And, but it was also such a special group of people who created something at a very particular moment in time and, you know, have gone on to do, I mean, Billy Porter was nominated for another Emmy today. It's like wild, you know? (laughs) And like when we started Kinky Boots, like Billy had, that was like really the beginning of like Billy resurging as like an artist, you know, in his, you know, forties. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. everybody was like, Billy Porter is, you know, he's done or like whatever. And I mean, he sure did prove everybody wrong, which was mm-hmm. really exciting. With um, I'm looking at your, just your Spotify. Cause you have a new, new record out called the mayor, but you have a, what writing with Kevin Taylor, was that, that's a musical that was on Broadway or tell me about that. 
No, that's a musical that I wrote. So musicals are funny. They're like hard, like it's really hard to get like a production of a musical done. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that it's very expensive and like all of those things. But um, the first musical I ever wrote uh, was a musical called Writing Kevin Taylor. And I wrote it in college with my friend, Josh Halloway, who is now, you know, a writer for Jimmy Kimmel and who lives <laughs> out in LA and like is a great comedy writer. And uh, he and I wrote the musical and we workshopped it and there was a production of it like off, off Broadway at a place called Cap 21, mm -hmm. um, which doesn't exist anymore. But, uh, you know, we did a production there. It was fun. And I was like, I wanted to like capture it and figure out what it was. Um, and so we recorded it and that recording actually led to another production that happened out in Seattle um, where we rewrote a lot of the show, which is funny. So that recording is actually there. There are parts of that recording that make absolutely no sense. If you saw the show today, okay. but they're, they're, they're doing the show in um, Michigan at oh, the cool. top of 2022, which is exciting. So you know, it's like, it, it, I hope that it has like a regional theater life because it's like a really sweet, funny show about three people and a weird week in their lives. That's cool. I mean, to have a, something that, I mean, it looks like that came out in 2013. I'm just going off, Wiki, or off Spotify here. Yeah. But to have that, something that you wrote then kind of resurge in, in Michigan in 2022, that's pretty... I mean, tell me what that, that must be pretty. No, pretty I'm like super feeling. excited I mean, about it. I'm like very excited to go see it and, you know, hear it again and all of those things. Cause like, you know, all, like all, all of these theater pieces, like, you know, they come back and they like surprise you in you know, funny ways. I'm, I'm currently the music director or music supervisor of little shop of horrors off Broadway. Uh, yeah. I want to talk to you um, about that too. Yeah. Which sure. is like wild, but like, you know, when you think about it, like Alan Menken and Howard Ashman wrote that show in like 19, like the early, early 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like right around when I was born. And uh -huh. like, to I'm sure like, it must be so strange for Alan now sure, to, to be like, I mean, this, this like show that I wrote, like this crazy, like weird little show that I wrote is still getting done and still like, you know, wildly successful. Yeah. Getting nominated for Grammys. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So do, with, I'm, I'm just curious with like, for example, like writing Kevin Taylor, the, is it, you have the, the show done. It's like in a book, right? It's like, here's the whole yeah. show. And then Michigan adopts the book. And then they just kind of go off of what you guys had written then. And they hire people and, and create it. Yeah. Wow. More or less. I mean, okay. like we have, we'll, we're around as a resource to like answer any questions they have, but like, mm -hmm. you know, we'll send them the script, we'll send them the score and they'll do it. Let them go with it. Wow. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you'll get there and see it and just see what they, what they decided to do with it kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Which will be so cool. Like, I mean, like that, that to me is very exciting, especially coming out of this year where like, you know, we didn't get to see any theater really right. for the longest time. And like, you know, is it back, to be back a little bit? You said you're I mean, working. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in auditions for the Pretty Woman tour right now. Oh, so okay. I'm sitting in a room listening to people sing. Okay. <laughs> um, which is great. Um, and a lot of fun. But uh, 
Yeah. So uh, Bruce Springsteen is on Broadway right now. He's like doing his like one man show. Oh, yeah. At yeah, a yeah. Theater. And that's the first show to reopen. But the next thing that's going to reopen is or open is a, a new play called Passover, which was done at Lincoln Center previously. But they're opening on Broadway on September 12th, which is cool. uh, that'll be neat. And then a couple of days after that. I mean, they start previews in August, so that'll be like the next like thing to open. And then um, in mid-September, pretty much all of the shows on Broadway are going to reopen. Okay. Okay. That's nice. Which will be see. great. Yeah. Nice because to hear that's open. There's a lot of unemployed actors oh, and musicians yeah. I mean, and everyone's all just... these people who were just like completely put out by the pandemic. Yeah. Aside from but... the, you know, touring, you know, stage crew type people, I feel like. Broadway live musicians like that are took a real hit. I mean, they don't have a record that they can make residual money off of or do other things or go on Instagram and play some songs they wrote. It's like, yeah, they're just used to going and playing, you know, Little Shop of Horrors or whatever it is. Right. That's kind of their bread and butter. Yeah. And, I, and it's been hard. I mean, like so many people lost their health insurance. So many people like we all lost all of the things that we get through working. And, you know, it's everything just sort of stopped and it's been really strange. (laughs) Yeah, it's awful. Well, I'm glad it's starting to kind of open up again. It sounds like it's it's, it's seeming promising. So hopefully it'll trend in that direction and everybody will get vaccinated. Yeah. Be back. Let us get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Life as we used to know it. (laughs) What's a, a view of the river? Is that another play that you wrote or a musical you wrote? So I have a couple of albums out. So I wrote um, the first album I ever put out was an album called Chasing the Day, which is um, uh, like a collection of songs that I wrote when I was like very young, like the songs I was writing when I was, you know, mentoring with Andrew. And uh, I got a bunch of like Broadway sort of stars to sing it. Uh Um, And that was sort of the the first like introduction I gave to the world is like, Hey, I write music um, and I write songs and wouldn't it be great uh, if you sang them and mm-hmm. people do. And that's really exciting. And then I put out the writing Kevin Taylor sort of concept album as like a thing to that, everything that we just talked about. And then a view mm-hmm. of the river after um, writing Kevin Taylor, Josh moved to LA, he started writing for TV. Um, he started he got the job at Kimmel. And so it, it, it became pretty clear that like, we weren't going to write musicals together anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but just like naturally. And at that time I met a guy named Jeff Talbot, who is a brilliant playwright. And he had reached out to me because he also is a lyricist and he wanted to, he had an idea that he thought might be interesting, uh, to turn into a musical. And, uh, he had been introduced to me through chasing the day he had heard it. And he was like, Oh, this is, this is somebody I want to work with. Um, but he and I met and we like hit it off and we, we, we have since become very, very close friends, but um, we're also songwriting partners now. And Mm -hmm. um, we wrote a couple of shows. They've been like in festivals and things like that. Uh, But we also were writing sort of one-off songs, which is what Chasing the Day was. And so we put out an EP called A View of the River, which is just seven songs that we wrote. Um, and they're sung by Broadway stars like Billy Porter is singing on one of them. Yeah. And Jonathan Groff is on one of them. And it, that was sort of our first like uh, 
calling card as, you know, songwriters. And then when the pandemic hit, I, uh, you know, I had been in a band that sort of like split up and I was like, I I think I want to like write an album for me. And like, instead of getting like Broadway people to sing the stuff, like I really want to put out like a, you know, singer songwriter kind of album. Um, and I, I, you know, Jeff and I talked about it and he was like, I think that's a great idea. And he got really excited about it and really encouraged me to do it. Um, and that is what eventually turned into the mayor, but he, you know, he and I wrote a lot of songs and, you know, only seven of them are on the mayor. Um, but I think, you know, we recorded more than that. So I think maybe we'll, you know, release another EP at some point because, you know, it's good music. Yeah. So the mayor is a collaborative effort still with, with Jeff Taylor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So Jeff, Jeff wrote the, uh, co-wrote the lyrics to the songs with me. Oh, okay, cool. And th- yeah. this became a project once everyone wasn't working. I mean, as far as the pandemic went. Yeah. I mean, it was like a way for us to stay creative and, um, you know, really process what it was like here. <laughs> I mean, you know, and also an opportunity for Jeff and I to sort of like define what we want, like musically, like idea wise, like where we stand as like artists and like, like put our ideas out there into the world in in, in a way that isn't like uh, in the box of, you know, a show or theater. It's like, it's, it's really meant to be like a singer songwriter record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I would imagine you're probably used to writing in that and more of like a concept, like yeah. storyline. Right. And then this is something that's just kind of a collection of songs that you guys are feeling at that moment in time. Yeah. That's and it, and it's interesting because when we, when we recorded all the music, you know, I, I had every intention of being like putting out like a big album, like putting out an album with like 12, 14 songs on it. Cause we, we wrote like a lot and we recorded, uh, like 14 or 15 songs. But then like when we were, when we were listening back to them, it just like, it was too dense. It was like too much. And so like we sort of split them up into like two different ideas. And like the mayor is a very, it's not like a concept record, but it like definitely is like an idea. Like that is to us, like a complete thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, which is nice. Yeah. It's not like, it's not, yeah. It's not a concept in the sense that, it starts here and ends here, but it's no, it's like they, they all complement each other, each other. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. And this obviously you have a show. I just saw on your Instagram, you're playing a show on July 22nd. Um, yeah. Are you going to be playing these songs or? Is, yeah, is no, no. I'm going to play. Before? I'm going to play the songs from the mayor. I'm going to play some of the songs from the other songs we wrote and a couple of covers. But, you know, it's the first time the band is playing together and, you know, live like in person since december 31st of 2019 which is crazy oh, wow. um so your last show we, new year's eve yeah we played a gig with uh there's a singer actress called named annalee ashford who's i don't know if you watch television but she's I on do. be positive be positive on cbs she's the the woman in that but she, okay. she's a she was in kinky boots she and i did uh, rent together we did wicked together we've known each other for a very long time but she does a cabaret act um, oh, cool. and we had done a, we had done a show on uh, New Year's Eve of that of 2019 and then I went to California to work on something and she 
was doing her thing, but like the, I didn't see the band again until December of 2020 when we were recording the record, but we still haven't played like out and about. So this will be the first time live at the bitter end, which I'm really excited. That's really exciting. So you were in a, you played in a band aside from doing the, the Broadway shows and playing in the the pit there. You also played clubs and and, and other things throughout. Yeah. I started a band called stereo Dawn and we put out a record, which is, uh, which you can also like stream on Spotify and stuff uh, that, you know, is very like power pop kind of like music. And that, 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 that band actually is where I like really sort of like got the confidence to sing more. Um, and use my voice more, but you know, with the pandemic and like people moving and like just different elements of life, you know, the band sort that band sort of like broke up. Um, and so this is like a new like project where I'm the lead singer, which is crazy. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Is this going to be your first show as a lead singer or is it you, you're a lead singer in like the show on the 31st of 2019 oh no no no! that was like annalee was singing that like this will oh, be the first the show that oh like, well, yeah. okay yeah so this will be your first show as the lead singer of the band i mean yes i've sung my wow. songs before like at like out and about at clubs and things like that um and with stereo dawn i you know i always sang like with, there were two of us who sang oh, okay on that so um so like but this is the first time like i'll be the only singer on stage but i'm like super pumped about it that's awesome that's really cool um, and I want to talk to you about the, the poster behind you. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you know, or is that what you were working on right before the pandemic hit? Was that what was going on? Uh, no, I, so Little Shop opened in October of 2019. And I had uh, the, pro- one of the producers of Little Shop of Horrors was doing another show out in California called Fly that Bill Sherman wrote. And he's the music supervisor of Sesame Street. And he was just the executive music producer on uh, the In the Heights movie. He's like a really fascinating musician, uh, amazing, amazing guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote a show called Fly with Rajiv, jo- Rajiv Joseph and Kirsten Child. And um, we were doing that at La Jolla Playhouse when the pandemic oh. hit. So like the, sh- oh, the show really? like shut down. But I had come back. <laughs> Like, it was funny. I opened the show. I think the show opened March 9th and I had to fly to London to see Pretty Woman. And so I flew back home on March 12th to start conducting Little Shop of Horrors again. And that was the day that everything shut down. So I've been waiting to go back to Little Shop of Horrors for a very long time. Oh, my Um, gosh. Which is, you know, I'm so excited it's coming back. You know, people uh, have been so kind to the show. And it, but it's also like, it's been really special. It's in a really small theater, which is neat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I think a great opportunity for people to see like really amazing performances, like very up close. It's, it's like a cool thing. And the, and the score and the story and, you know, the show is just, I don't think like to go back to musicals, I don't think that there, that you can write a musical better than Little Shop of Horrors. Like it truly is like one of the best constructed pieces of theater that's ever been made. That's amazing. Which is, which is really cool. And I think why it's still anytime anybody does it, uh-huh. it sort of gets accolades. Sure. Wow. That's but interesting. We were, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, it's like, you know, we were very lucky to be able to make a cast recording of it because people enjoyed it so much. Um, 
off Broadway and were enjoying it so much that they, you know, we made a record and like to then have that be recognized by the recording Academy was very cool and like exciting and unexpected. And um, so I'm really excited to go back to it and like keep working on it. Yeah. You guys were nominated in 2020. So unfortunately the one that you couldn't attend. Yeah. We, we couldn't go. <laughs> but we all sat on zoom and it was really fun. Uh, that's cool. And then, and then when we didn't win, Alan like FaceTimed me and he was like, yeah, you don't always win. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> Which is funny because like when Alan FaceTimes you, he usually FaceTimes you from his office. And like in my office, like I know not everybody can see, but like, I've got like, you know, posters, like show posters and like yeah. albums and stuff that I've worked on. Alan has his eight Oscars and his like 16 <laughs> Grammys and his Emmy award, like just like behind him. Just of so course. Overwhelming. You're like, oh yeah. I mean like, yeah, you, you are win, really like, successful. You want, you did win eight Oscars back to back. I do remember that. Right. <laughs> That's cool. Um, that's awesome that you're in La Jolla because I'm from San Diego and actually. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. I had the best time there. It was so great. My family and I, we'd moved to Nashville in the midst of this pandemic, but we were, we were in San Diego when that was happening. So um, it's a, I love the La Jolla Playhouse. I've seen a few yeah. shows there. It's really cool. It's a neat place. It was like a, it was a, I had never been there before. Uh-huh. Um, and I had like just I had been to San Diego before, but I'd never been to uh, like La Jolla and done a show there. And it was, you know, they're so they were so like generous with like letting us be creative and like do our thing. And the show turned out great. And it was just like such a bummer that we had to stop doing it. Yeah, that is unfortunate. I mean, hopefully you'll be able to do it back there again. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, there was a period of time like that. I the one of the hardest parts about the pandemic as being a theater artist at times is like, you know, nobody knew, like everything just kept getting pushed. And there was like this period of time where like people were like, Oh, well, this will be over in September of 2020. Mm-hmm. And they were like, so the set's still there and we don't have another show there until like, you know, November. So why don't when the pandemic's over in September, we'll just do fly again. And everybody was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then cut to, this, <laughs> cut to last summer. And they were like, Oh, no, no, no. And like, you know, they had to take the set out and the whole thing because like it just became so abundantly clear that there was no way that it was going to happen. There's no coming back. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds like like, you know, stuff's opening up there and which is great. And yeah, pretty, pretty woman, exciting. you're auditioning for that. And that's going to be a touring. Um, yeah, it'll cool. be a touring show. It's you know, it's going everywhere across uh, the country. You can the, the pretty woman, the musical website has like all the tour dates and everything and you know, if you're a subscriber at theaters, like you can get tickets that way, or you can just get tickets online and it, it, it'll be a, it'll be a really great tour. That's exciting. Are you going to be on the tour? Uh, no, I'll, I'll okay. supervise it. So I'll be, uh, the tour is going to open in Providence. Um, and, uh, when it does, uh, I'll be around at the beginning and then it, it's As it goes around the country, I'll sort of like check in here and there and make sure that it's, it going well and all those things very cool well thank you so much for for taking time to chat with me today will i really appreciate it yeah thank you adam this has been awesome uh i do have one more question for you before i let you go do you have any advice for aspiring artists uh sure um be yourself like be, be authentic be vulnerable like i think those 
the moments that have served me best, like to go way back to what I was talking about, like being in high school are like when your gut is telling you something, listen to your gut and like do the thing that's like authentic to you, even if it seems absolutely terrifying. Um, because otherwise you're going to, you're going to end up on a road that is not going to serve you very well. And also like, don't be an asshole. Like that's the, that's the, that's the biggest piece of advice I always give uh, the people who want to be musicians or like work is like, don't be unkind to anybody ever. Cause like, why? Cause people remember that. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, Thank- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, you don't know who anyone's connected to, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, people also remember like kindness. Like it's like, like that instant, that instant thing of like, like being warm with a human being is, you know, can make or break any relationship from the get go. 